situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus and so in that moment god god helped me to take hold of that word and um in that moment i just i just said god you know i believe that you're here with me and i believe that everything's gonna go well that you're gonna give the doctors wisdom and everything they need and that he's going to come out all right, Lord, I trust in your word. You say, do not be anxious. So I choose your peace. And in that moment, I kid you not, the peace of God just began to come over my life. And I could not explain how in the midst of such circumstance. But um, I just want to celebrate that and that God is a healer and he, he keeps his word. Amen. And so um, later within the verse, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And in that moment, God was all those things to me, and I, I thought of God. So I just want to encourage you guys in this place, if you're coming here anxious, if you're coming here with all these things in your mind, I just uh, challenge you just to surrender it, and um, I just want to uh, pray out. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your word, Lord, that you are faithful to keep it, Lord. And um, I pray in this moment, if anyone's feeling anxious, God, about anything, or if anything's just bottling them in their minds, Lord God, I pray that they would choose your peace in this moment and this time of worship, Lord, that we would think about you, God, who are, you are excellent, God, and you are praiseworthy. And we just yes. bless your name, Lord God, and in your name we pray, amen. Hallelujah. Who knows God is good in this place? And if, and if you don't know that, I encourage you to get to know the God of the universe because he is good, he is all good. I want you guys to just put your hands together and just get ready to worship the Lord. Feel free to move about, to dance around because God is good and he is worthy of our praise today. And so we're going to start here because I want to scream it out. I want to.
you are good and I'll shout because you are good you are good to me and I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good you are good to me oh hallelujah God hallelujah God you are good your goodness knows no bounds oh God and our life celebrates God in the sun and in the rain and and every day Lord where we don't know if it's gonna be a tidal wave of emotions Lord we don't know if if the sun's gonna come out today we don't know if the rains are gonna come or we're gonna get that phone call at work Lord that would just wreck our day God but what we do know is that there is the love and the peace of God that passes all understanding and that you have everything in your control that there's a lot of things that are out of our hands and out of our circumstances Lord we cannot control the weather just as we cannot control the situations in our lives God but there is one thing we can do we can put it in your hands and say God I relinquish control and I surrender it all to the one who has control Lord I thank you Jesus for coming and being the light in this very dark world oh God and that you came down to rescue us to say, I got this and I'm bigger than your situation. Hallelujah, Jesus. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty. Beauty that made this heart adore you. with you light of the world 
to your hearts right now because they're more than just words written on a screen they don't mean anything if you don't apply them to your life and there's a reason these words were written because somebody was going through something and they said it doesn't matter what I'm going through here I am to worship and here I am to bow down and here I am to say that you are my Lord you are my King of Kings you are my everything and when I don't have it figured out, God, I know you do. I know you do. I know you do. And today is that day where you got to say, I know you got this, God, because you're bigger than the devil. You're bigger than the situation I'm facing. You're bigger than what the doctors have told me. You're bigger. You're bigger. You're greater. You're fantastic. And here I am to worship. And here I am to bow down because you are my God. You are my king. You are everything to me. And nothing else is going to come between you and me. I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely. All together worthy. All together wonderful to me. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely. All together worthy. All together wonderful to me. Jesus, you are all together lovely. All together beautiful. You are worthy of our praise. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you that we could join in with the angels and sing, Worthy, worthy is the Lord. We join in with the worship of heaven and we say, God, we want to touch heaven so that you can change earth. Yes, Lord. Lord, we worship you in the beauty of your splendor. We worship you in the beauty of your majesty. Nobody compares to you, oh God. You are worthy. You alone are worthy of our praise, 
of our devotion, of our worship, of us bowing down and saying, you are our king, you are our Lord. For you were the lamb that was slain. You were the lamb that was slain, the perfect lamb of God. And your blood was shed for us. And we thank you today. We say thank you, Jesus, for the free gift of salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that washes us clean. Thank you, Jesus, that because of the cross, because you rose again on the third day, that we can live victoriously, that we can live free, that the shackles and the chains of bondage and sin are broken in our lives. We say worthy, worthy, worthy is the King. Worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, with that in your mind, I want you to picture, I want you to picture all of heaven's multitudes right now, all of heaven's angels surrounding the throne and all of them bowing down and saying, worthy, we worship you. And right here on this earth, we are standing and we're joining with them and we're saying, here we are to worship. Let's sing that again. Here we are. Here we are, King of heaven and earth, creator of the universe. We're saying you are our God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. our souls we thank you for your power and your presence in this place we give you the glory we give you the power and the honor and the praise that is due your name and everybody said amen and amen let's give the lord a hand clap of praise he is good all the time and all the time he is good 
Give your neighbor a high five as you find your way back to your seats. Woo. Welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. For those that may not know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And at this time, I'd love to preach the gospel to you. Look to your neighbor say, this is good news. And that's what gospel means, the good news about Jesus. And I want to read to you this verse. And I want us to understand that we can either accept what the Bible says or we reject it. And, the, and both of them have their own consequences. In John chapter 3, 35 through 36, it says, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son, of, in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. This message is for you this morning. If you're not right with God, you've never been born again, or you have, and then you backslid, and you're not following God's commands. I want you to understand that the only way for salvation, the only way that we get to spend eternity in heaven is through Jesus. God the Father loved Jesus so much that he sent him into the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And if you're in this room and you say, I know I'm not right with God, and I know I've never been born again, and I was once living for him, but now I've been rejecting his commands, and I've been living my own way. The Bible says today is a day for salvation. Today is a day for you to get it right, because we're not promised tomorrow. And for whoever rejects Jesus, whoever rejects the Son, the only way that we are able to get into the heaven and to see the Father, God's wrath will remain on us. Because wherever God is not at the end of our life, that is hell, my friends. So if you don't want God on this earth, if you don't want everything that God is about and all that he offers to you, you won't have to have him at the end. So I want to encourage you. You know if God has been pounding uh, and knocking on the door of your heart, saying, let me in. I'm inviting you into a relationship with me. I challenge you. I plead with you. Get right with God today. With all eyes closed all across this room, in just a few seconds, I'm going to pray. And if you want to get right with God, I want you to agree with me in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for this time that the gospel message can be preached. That your good news, that you came and died and rose again for our salvation, for us to be saved. That is preached this morning. You know every single person in this room. You know their name. You know when they were born. You created them. They've been fearfully and wonderfully made. And I pray that today would be the day that they choose you and stop rejecting you. That today would be the day that they receive forgiveness of their sins because of the blood of Jesus. Yes. And receive the free gift of salvation. They can do nothing to earn it. All they have to do is accept it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. In just a few moments, we're going to have a fellowship time. We're going to have prayer workers here to the side that are going to lead you in prayer, teach you how to get plugged in and connected into the church, teach you about our discipleship. Any questions you may have, Ricky and Lily will pray for you. If you could please stand with me at this time to your feet. We're going to confess our confession of faith. This is our Christian worldview. And the reason why we recite it week after week is because we want to declare it. This is how we see the world. This is how we see society around us. It's through the lens of scripture. It's through the word of God. And we will stand upon that until Jesus comes back. If you're with me on that, let's recite it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Spend some time fellowshipping and greet somebody that you may not know. sounds a new beginning as distant hearts begin believing redemption's bid is unrelenting your love goes on your love goes on when the world keeps waiting joined us for the 1 p.m. service. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Our service is here our every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. Keep on coming. They're winning their high schools for Jesus. They're doing awesome. We also want to announce to you that next Sunday, the 20th, for both of our services, we will be praying for our teachers and students. So if you, want to, if you know any teachers, principals, you have a relationship with the teachers at your uh, children's school, please invite them. Let them know that your church wants to pray for them 
We're going to be giving them gifts and praying for our children that God would be with them, protect them, and that God would do awesome things in their lives this school year. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Look to your neighbor say, love God. Look to your other neighbor say, love people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us, and we want to strive to live like that the, to the most that we can. And our discipleship strategy here is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Somebody say connect. The way we want to connect you to the church and to Jesus is through our life groups. On the back of your handouts, you could check out the schedule of life groups that we have for this quarter. You could check out the kinds of life groups that are available to you and your family to connect with the places that they meet, times, locations, all that good stuff. Here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. So today we have the singles. Come on. All the singles in the house ready to mingle. They're meeting today at 4 p.m. here at the church. Also today our marriage groups. Come on, married folk. Our marriage uh, group is meeting with child care at 5.30. We're closing out the this quarter, going on a date night to Buckingham Fountain. So if you have your spouse with you or you guys are free at 5.30, meet at that address. Child care will be provided at that location, and we're just going to have an awesome time. Tuesday, the Resistance Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meeting at the church. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed. Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. meeting at the church. Then every Wednesday we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old at 6.30. Bring your children. If they're in that age group, you want your children to be here. We have Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club. They are rocking it out for Jesus. That is where our children get discipled, so it's an, a powerful time for them. Then every Friday, say every Friday. 18 years and up, we have two adult Bible studies for you guys. At the, one is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. I want you guys to make it a point to go there, get connected, build friendships. They meet every Friday at 7 p.m., 18 years and up. Child care is included there. Then Saturday, we have the Ambassadors Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 3 p.m. on Saturday. And then every Saturday, our evangelism team meets you at the church, 5 p.m., all ages welcome. If you've never preached the gospel on the streets, shared your faith with, faith with somebody, I encourage you to do so. It will change your life. It's powerful. Then after you get connected, we want to mentor you. We have leaders in the church ready to take you through the 101 book. It's called Welcome to Your New Life. You do this one-on-one. -on -one. We want to join this journey with you. We want you to know you're not alone. And then after you graduate the 101, you get into the 201, Disciples That Make Disciples, where your discipleship journey will continue and we'll train you to be a leader in the church, and then we'll continue to send you out to win more for the Lord. And our goal at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you want to be a part of that, say amen, because we know that God is going to do it. We believe that he's going to change our city, and it's one person at a time, and us being willing vessels for him to use, right? At this time, we're going to learn about tithes and offerings. In our Disciples Giving book, we are on section three of the book all about stewardship today is lesson nine stewards are trustworthy we're going to be reading from luke 16 11 you could turn in your bibles to luke 16 or 11 or follow along on the screen stewardship is the wise management of everything god has entrusted us with so we're learning how to be managers how to take everything that god has given to us on this earth to manage it for his glory so that we can one day be rewarded Here's Luke 16, 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? 
Number one, here are the three main points from that verse. Number one, trustworthy with worldly wealth. Jesus was both the wisest and most practical teacher of all time. His insight to stewardship was simple yet profound. Why should God give you true heavenly riches and eternal rewards when you can't even manage temporary worldly wealth? Look to your neighbor and say, ouch. In other words, why should God reward you if you only used your money for your needs and not his kingdom? Think about that for a second. Number two, worldly wealth versus true riches. Worldly wealth is temporary. Somebody say temporary. Everything here will fade away. True riches are eternal. They'll last forever. Worldly wealth is easily lost. True riches can never be taken away. Worldly wealth is earned by both the wicked and righteous. So both Christians and non-Christians, they both can be successful. There's non-Christians that are doing awesome in their business. But guess what they don't have? True riches are only given to the righteous. See, we can build and build and build ourselves up here and have the most material possessions, but they will fade away. So God wants us to use our temporary wealth, our temporary riches on this earth for his kingdom so his kingdom can come here so that when we're all in eternity, we'll have true riches that will never fade away. And number three, are you trustworthy? Have you been trustworthy with your tithes and offerings? Have you been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth? Will God reward you with true riches in heaven? Here's a summary. Be trustworthy with your worldly wealth in tithes and offerings. Let's apply this to our life in three ways. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after the tithe. Ask God, number two, ask God to give you a deep insight into the differences between worldly wealth and true riches. And number three, be trustworthy in everything you do with your family, your church, your job, your friendships, finances. Let us all do it as unto the Lord. Everything that he's entrusted us with, let's be trustworthy stewards. Let's confess this on the count of three over our life together. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you want that, please stand with me to your feet this afternoon. As we prepare to give God our very best, our tithes and our offerings, Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of your total income and an offering is anything above that, an amount between you and the Lord, which we designate towards missions and building fund. And currently, we are in a building fund raising the monies for the Lit Up Metro Praise International Church sign to go outside our building. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Give yourselves a round of applause. We did it, guys. We're so close. In the month of August, we raised $1,237 for a grand total of $6,380. And we're almost there. We have $3,120 left. We can knock this out so soon. So the goal was to raise the $8,000 by the end of the year so we could get this signed. And we just thank you so much for your partnership. It's amazing what God can do when his people get together to change a city, to change a nation. So we're doing it, guys. We also have two other ways for you to give or purchase items in the church using your debit or credit cards. One is online at our easy-to-use website, and the other is in the back. You can see me after service if you have any questions about that. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6:38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. 
For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant provision, your grace, your faithfulness to us. I pray that you would receive the tithes and offerings of your people this afternoon, God. May it be a pleasing sacrifice aroma to you. I pray that you would use it for your glory. We want your kingdom to come upon this earth as it is in heaven. I pray that you would transform our city. I pray that you would use it, that we would preach the gospel to the ends of the earth so that everybody could hear your word. Bless and prosper your people. Give them favor, God, on their jobs and increases in their um and raises in their and promotions wherever they are so that we could be blessed to be a blessing to give you glory and to give you uh, all the praise God for all that we have everything that you've entrusted us with here we want to give back to you in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen please come forward as you give and we thank you so much for your generosity ready to learn about the kingdom of God. Say amen. Can I get a whoop whoop? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. So good to see everybody here. We are growing and I'm excited that you're here. God is doing so many great things. We packed out the first service. We're starting to fill up some of the side sections. This has probably got to be one of our largest second services today. So you're setting a record. Look at your neighbor. Say you're setting a record. You didn't even know that, but by you coming today, you're setting a record. Our church went to two services at Easter weekend. Easter weekend that just passed, you know, last April. We were running roughly around 170. Now we're well over 200. Some of you remember the baptism. That was our largest event weekend. And now for a normal service, we are setting a record. God is just doing great things. And you know why? Because every person counts. Those life groups are there for you. Find a life group that you want to get connected to and have life. And then our mentoring, that's one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, what other church do you know of? There may be a few. Maybe I don't know all of them. But what other church do you know of that guarantees every single person Person that shows up, an individualized mentor for the rest of their life until you put call block on their phone and say, I don't need you no more. Now, if you can find me a gym that includes a free trainer, let me know about that. I'll go there next week. Think about that. Or if you can find a 
job that says we will pay for you to have a coach in your life to do better at sales. Let our people know about that because they need to find that kind of a job. Hello. But if you look at normal jobs, what do you have to do? you got to pay for a coach. If you want to get better at sales, you got to pay for that. You want to get better at your schooling, I mean at your uh, your, your job, you got to go for extra schooling, get certified. Same thing in a gym. They'll give you that free trainer. After that, you got to pay, what, 50 bucks an hour, 30 bucks an hour? Hello. And you know what our church says? Every single person counts. Every single person counts. Now, shouldn't that be the job of the church? Shouldn't all churches be able to say to you, thank you for coming. Here's a mentor. Start hanging out with them. But that is our church. And now, you know how many people we have in discipleship right now? 135. Let's give it up. Amen. 135. You know what the percentage of that of our church is? That is over 85% of our church is involved in discipleship. So if you're new and you haven't done that yet, I want to encourage you to do that because connect mentor send will work for you if you work it amen we're in the kingdom of God and we are learning about what Jesus taught us the kingdom of God was Jesus's number one subject upon the earth Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than he did about anything else you don't believe me go through the gospels count how many times he talked about money count how many times he talked about going to heaven count how many times he talked about hell and then count how many times he talked about the kingdom of God and you'll realize it was his number one subject as a matter of fact the kingdom of God God was always the subject of his parables. Anybody here know a parable of Jesus? If I called on you right now, could you say a parable? Don't be shy. How many know a parable of Jesus? One person, Maria, thank you for not being shy. You get a special treat today. I don't know what it is, but i got to hook you up. Are you going to the marriage one? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I knew you were going. It's going to be fun. Anyways, I'm going to get you a special treat, so i got to buy you something because she knows a parable. How many other people know parables? Do you know that every single parable, every single one, Try to find one that doesn't talk about the kingdom of God because every single parable Jesus ever told was about the kingdom of God. Anybody here ever hear about the prodigal son? Prodigal son. He's brought up in the father's house. He says, Father, give me my inheritance. He goes out and spends all of his inheritance on wild living. He then says, I don't know what to do. So he goes, finds a job at a farm. He can't even eat any food there. So he starts eating the pig food. Eventually he says, man, I should go back home to my father. At least he'll make me a servant in his house. The Bible says he starts going off to his father's house. His father sees him a long way off on the road, runs out to meet him and brings him in. You know what that's about? The kingdom of God. You know what that's really talking about? You and I coming back to the Father because we've been out the kingdom. We're born as sinners. We make our choice to sin. And now God is saying, come back to the kingdom. Come back into my house. And how many know our Father has a great big house with enough rooms for all of us? Are you ready? Part one is online, mpichurch.org. As always, now let's get into part two. We're going to be sticking with our same series, Scripture. Every week when we go through our series on Kingdom of God, we'll be reading the Our Father a prayer out of the King James. Don't get all religious on me, but I want you to be excited as you read it. Religion is dead. Jesus is alive. Let's pray it like we mean it. Amen? On the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said, amen. How many believe that? Now I want you to think about that. Do you really believe that? Is there a place where the Father is? 
Is there a place right now where God the Father is? Is there a place where we call heaven? And in that place, is there a kingdom? Now, what is a kingdom? A kingdom has a king and citizens. That's the main component of a kingdom. Now, of course, they got to have land, but the main components are the king and his citizens. Is there a place where God the Father reigns and rules over people? Is that true? I believe it is. Now, some people, they come to church and they have questions, and we live in a day and age where I, as your pastor, have to answer these questions. So somebody may say, Pastor, Pastor, I, I, I don't know if I believe in this place called heaven. I only believe in science. Now, first of all, science doesn't make you dumb. It only makes you smart, okay? So I want to test the person who says, I only believe in science, okay? Because I don't believe in anything that science can't prove. Here's a question for all my scientific friends, and science just means knowledge. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen nothing produce something? All my scientific friends here, have you ever seen nothing produce something? So all of us need to explain why there's something here. What would we summarize the something of the entire known universe? Matter, space, time. Everybody say matter. Everybody say space. Everybody say time. What created matter, space, and time? We have to ask our friends that because they say they don't believe in God. They only believe in science and what science can prove. Well, can you prove that nothing comes, uh, that something comes from nothing? You can't prove that. So don't be a fool. The Bible says the fool says in their heart there is no God. It's not to mock them or make fun of them. It's to state a fact. If you think nothing can produce something, that's a foolish statement. How many believe nothing can produce something? Do you think nothing can produce something? Can you hold nothing in your hand? Can you make nothing do something? Of course you can. Only things, only objects, only things and, and reality can create other things in reality. We're not playing make-believe. So now, where did everything come from? Everything, everything. Where did everything come from? Matter, space, time. It came from a big bang. If bang didn't happen. Well, what banged? Nothing banged. Well, how do you bang nothing? Hello? Well, what banged it? I don't know. Science banged it. Science is nothing but the philosophy of man to understand something. So science wasn't there to bang it. Did the first computer create the first computer? Hello? Did the first computer create the first computer? Of course not. Something had to create the first computer. So what banged it? What created matter, space, and time? Something that is not in matter, space, and time. A something created everything. Nothing creates nothing. Nothing can do no thing. Hello? So what is the something that created everything? Our Father, which art in heaven. Woo, I got to get excited. I got to get excited. Some of y'all think I just played a trick on you. I didn't play a trick on you. I asked you to use your mind. If everything we know is in matter, space, and time, how does matter, space, and time create itself? And then if you reduce matter, space, and time to nothing, how does nothing do anything? My friends, there is a place called heaven that is not made of matter, space, and time. There are three persons there who equally share the nature of God. They are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there the Father has a kingdom. And from that kingdom, he created everything. He banged it and put it in place. And today, we are here because of it. He made man as the apex of his creation, and that is still proven true today scientifically unless you're talking to your dog and we have to put you in the hospital or you're just a really nice person. But if your dog talks back, we might have to put you in the hospital. We are the only creatures with a self-conscious mind. We think about what we're thinking about. I dare you to think about what you're thinking about right now. What are you thinking about? Why are you thinking about it? Why am I asking you to think about what you're thinking about? See, you're a thinking creature. 
Your dog is made of, uh, of, of instinct. You think. You're altruistic. That means you lay your life down for others that you don't even know. Why does the firefighter go into a fire to lay down his own life to save another life? If we're all here just to propagate our species, we should say let those who die, die. They weren't smart enough to prevent the fire anyway. This is natural selection taking its course. We're alive. Hip, hip, hooray. But we'll lay down our lives. There's a story, tragically, right by my house. The Elgin Dam there has a story of two firefighters giving their life to save one man that was drowning. Evolutionary speaking, that's stupid. Two of you died for one. Two of you should have been alive and laughed at the other one dying because he deserved to die because he put himself there and couldn't swim. But see, we're not animals. We're not living by instinct, and we certainly don't treat each other like that. Don't believe the lie that you're here by accident because something came out of nothing billions of years ago. No, you are a human being made in the image of God, created from the dust of this earth and imparted with a living soul that came from the breath of God. That's why you're here today. And there is a kingdom for which you can go to when you die, and Jesus came to give you entrance into that kingdom. Now, why do we need to have entrance into this kingdom? Because when he first created us in the kingdom, Garden of Eden, we sinned and disgraced the command that he gave us. We sinned against him. Think about this. God is not a divine rapist. God did not create Adam and Eve and go, guess what, guys? This is the Garden of Eden, and there's no way out. <laughs> And I've got you here, and you're going to be my little mouse, and I'm going to make you go through little mazes. No, when God created the Garden of Eden, he said, here it is, and here's your way out. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and any time you want out of here, you eat this. Now we laugh, <laughs> oh, Adam and Eve, they're just so dumb. I just can't believe they would do that. How long do you think it would take for you and your wife to sin? How long do you think it would take for you to begin to disobey God? We don't know how much time passed away, but they go to this tree that they were told not to eat. And you may think that even the story sounds mythological, but it's true to me. It's their substance. It's their food. All of us like fruit. And here God says, this is the way I'll know you don't want to be here in my kingdom. Eat it and you'll die. They go there. They find the serpent tempting them. Where'd the serpent come from? Where'd the devil come from? Where was he at? Once in the kingdom of God himself. He was. He chose his own way. He got kicked out. He came to earth. He was the tempter to give man the choice. Man now will have a choice. Here's the tempter. He used to be in the kingdom of God. He knows all about it. He's here on the earth. He gives man the best shot to make his own decision. Where do you want to be? Here with God or outside? Because the knowledge of good and evil is not just good. It's also evil. They ate of it. And what died that day? What died? The Bible says that the Jesus, God said to them, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Did they fall over dead at that moment, have a heart attack, cardiac arrest? No. Their spirit man died, and they were separated from God. God then placed an angel in front of the garden and kicked them out and said, this is how it will be from this point forward. The ground will not nourish itself. You will have to plant the good kind of food that you want. You will now fight amongst yourself. There will be, there will be an enmity between you and each other and the animal kingdom. A animals will now want to eat you. They were once vegetarian. Now they'll want to eat you. And you'll get to eat them back, by the way. How many are happy you can eat animals? Amen. We get to eat them. So here's the point. God then begins to speak to mankind. He spares the world through Noah's flood. I could show you that through the Grand Canyon. This world was flooded, and I'm going to tell you today that you need to believe God's going to judge the world again, but not by fire. But he holds the world accountable. Then he speaks to Noah. He speaks to Moses, gives him commandments and all of these things. What is it building towards? The time Jesus comes. Why is Jesus coming? Because he wants to get that which is lost. 
He wants to bring us back into the kingdom of his father. He wants to bring us back to the garden of Eden from the choice that we once made. Now, some people say, well, the world has too much evil. There couldn't be a God. If there was a God, why doesn't God just get rid of evil? You know what he would have to do to get rid of evil? He would have to start with you and get rid of you and then get rid of you and get rid of you and get rid of you. So there would be no more world with you, but it would be free from evil. Why? Because evil was ingrained in our hearts when we sinned. It became a cancer passed down through the generations. And if you don't believe it, look at yourself and ask, why have I sinned the way I've sinned? It has been your choice, your propensity, your fallen nature. So why did Jesus come after 4,000 years of human history at what we call 2,000 years ago, you know, A.D., splitting the time, but before we called it by his birthday, why did he come 4,000 years after creation and not right when Adam and Eve sinned? Because 4,000 years of creation were teaching us what we lost and what we needed to do to gain that kingdom. But every time we got those commands, every time they came down to us, like this one, don't be jealous of what your neighbor has. We kept messing it up. Obey your parents. We kept messing it up. Hello? Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Kept messing it up. Do you know people who are jealous? Don't obey their parents. Take the name of the Lord in vain. How about this? Lie? Steal? These are all the Ten Commandments, and what did they show us? How far we were from God. So what Jesus did was show mankind through 4,000 years of human history, we need a Savior. We need to be saved. Can we save ourselves? No, we can't. We're already blemished. Can the broken computer fix itself? It's broken. It can't fix itself. Hello. We needed to be fixed. Now here comes Jesus. He's walking the earth, and all he's talking about is this place called the kingdom. And then when he teaches us how to pray, he teaches us to pray according to the kingdom coming on earth as it is where? In heaven. So what did Jesus come to do? To die on the cross for the sins of the world. Past present, future. I'm glad it was for future because I came 2,000 years after him and I know I needed to be saved and forgiven. Hello, anybody with me? Because Jesus can't save perfect people. Perfect people are hypocritical, prideful people. Jesus only saves sinners who confess their sins. Is there any sinners who've confessed their sins to Jesus? Those are the only ones he saves. Amen? Well, I don't feel I'm good enough for Jesus. You're the perfect one for Jesus because he doesn't save self-righteous people. Those who think they're well don't need a doctor, but those who know they're sick will go to the doctor. That's what salvation is, admitting I'm not, but he is. I can't, but he can. I won't, but he will. He took the death and the penalty I deserve so I could have the life that I didn't deserve. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live, dead spiritually people alive. Can I hear an amen? The definition of kingdom of God, as we look throughout the Bible, we can summarize it from this dictionary here. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is God's kingly rule through Jesus Christ over all creation and people. When you look at the Bible and you hear the term kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, it's talking about the same place. Where is God at? Where is he at? Heaven. So now you understand. They're synonymous. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. The kingdom is about a king ruling over his people that have chosen him. He is not a dictator. He is not forcing you to be in the kingdom. That's where the Garden of Eden came from, and that's where now your choice comes from. Everybody raise up your right hand with me. Come on, just raise it up with me. We're going to do an example. Now you freely put it down whenever you want. You put it down. That is your choice. That is your volition. That is the free will of man. That is what God has given each one of us. 
And when those of us suffer brain damage or we have mental illness and those things, God provides a mercy. I could show you from another scripture those things. But all of us who are created with the volition to choose good from evil, we will be held responsible to where we want to be, either in his eternal kingdom or where he is not, as my wife preached in the gospel. How many want to learn about the kingdom of God? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, the review is for you. I'm going to go over the three things we talked about last week because I see some visitors and it's always good to review. Here are the three aspects of the kingdom of God. The first one is found in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Please go there with me quickly to learn about the kingdom there. And gentlemen, let me do this real quick on my own and then you guys can go because I want to refresh this. Go to Isaiah chapter 6. Everybody say the kingdom there. The first thing that you learn about the kingdom of God is it's not here in its entirety. It's there in its entirety. And there is heaven where God has created all things. From the place of spirituality, God has made it matter, space, and time. I want you to think about this. There was a prophet in the Old Testament. His name was Isaiah, and he saw the Lord in heaven. Put it up, please, Isaiah 6, verse 1. When you're there, somebody say, I'm there. If you're not, say, hold up. Okay, I'm going to wait for just a few of you. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. We learn that Jesus is where the kingdom is. Now watch, I'm going to show you this so you don't think I'm tricking you. This is the prophet in the Old Testament. Where is he in regards to creation? He's about 2,000 years after Adam and Eve. Where is he, uh, excuse me, he's about 3,000 years after Adam and Eve. Where is he in relation to Jesus? About 700 years before Jesus. Everybody say before Jesus. This is the prophet Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the, so I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim. These are a created creature that live in heaven, each with six wings. These are different than what we know as typical angels. Angels, and the word angel just means messenger. These are not messengers. These do not come down to visit us. These were created simply for the worship of God. They're called seraphim. They have six wings. Two wings cover their faces. Two wings cover their feet. And the other two they fly with. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his. Isaiah saw who high and lifted up? The Lord, and he saw all of this happening at his throne, and he said that the Lord Almighty, or they were saying that the Lord Almighty's glory fills the whole earth, right? Turn with me quickly to the book of John. Turn with me to the book of John. Who did Isaiah see? John chapter 12, verse 41. John is an apostle of Jesus, one of the close ones that spent time with him, laid his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. He knew Jesus. Now look at this. He's writing about Jesus, here's the red letter. Jesus is talking and doing his work here. Look what John said about Jesus. Isaiah said this, the things that Isaiah said. He said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Who did Isaiah see? Jesus, God is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Lord there meaning Yahweh or Jehovah. It's the same word, Yohevah, in the Hebrew. Listen, they, the Trinity, represent the one person of God, the one being of God, and three separate persons. One being of God, three separate persons. If you see Jesus, you have seen the Father. In their understanding, there was only the Father who deserved worship, but Jesus deserves worship as well, as, long, as well as the Holy Spirit. All three are deserving of worship, but we see here through Isaiah and John explaining to us that the kingdom of God, the one who sits on the throne is who? 
Jesus. What does every knee bow before? Jesus. Who did they confess as Lord? Jesus. And every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you learn something? The first aspect we see of the kingdom of God is that there is a kingdom there. There. In that spiritual place called heaven, there is a throne. Jesus sits upon it. He's at the right hand of the Father. From that throne, John chapter 1 says, he has created everything. Go there quickly, please. John chapter 1. How many want to learn more about Jesus? How many know Jesus was alive before he got born in a manger, before he was coming from the Virgin Mary? Why did he do the Virgin Mary thing? To take on flesh, to die for our sins. He was that sacrifice. Once again, why did we need a sacrifice? Because we had made the wrong choice. Everybody, look what John chapter 1 says. If you're there, say, I'm there. It says right here, in the beginning was the Word. Who do we now know as the Word? Who's already skipped ahead and know what this means? Jesus. I don't have time to show it to you in verses 14 and 18, but trust me, we can say Jesus here. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So who made everything? Jesus, we know him as the word, so you guys don't think I'm tricking me, uh, tricking you. Go to verse 14. You'll see right where it tells us who Jesus, the word is. Keep on going. Verse 14 talks about he came to all of these things. Look at this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Whose glory? Jesus' glory. The glory of the one and only Son. Who is the Son of God? Jesus, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Go to verse 18. And you will see it completely here outlined for you. Or verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, speaking of the Father, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and in his closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Praise God for Jesus. Hallelujah. I get to participate in the kingdom there because of what Jesus did here. Why did Jesus come from that throne to this earth to die for our sins? Does everybody get that? Why was there 4,000 years of laws and 10 commandments and sacrificing of animals to show us what Jesus was going to do for our sins? Look at my shadow. Look at the phone shadow on the, plate, on the, uh, the table here. What would you rather have, the phone or the shadow? Phone. Oh, let's go with that this again. You guys a little tired right now? Let's try this again. Wallet, shadow of wallet. What would you rather have? Okay, you guys are up this afternoon. Thank you. Okay, now watch. Why was the Ten Commandments given to us? Reflection of Jesus' shadow to show us who he was. Why was there a, a sacrificial code? Reflection of Jesus' shadow of who he was. Why were the feast days, the Passover, the temple, uh, the, the, tabernacle, uh, the feast of tabernacles? Why were all of these things given through the Old Testament, 39 books, all the different prophets? Who were they a shadow of? Jesus. When he came, he fulfilled over 300 prophecies. To fulfill just eight of them would be like you flipping a coin 50 times and it landing heads every time. Jesus fulfilled 300 from the place he was born to how he was betrayed for the amount of money Judas took, 30 pieces of silver. It was already spoken about in Zechariah. Check it if you don't believe me. We see that Jesus comes to fulfill what he was prophesying through the prophets so that we would recognize him when he came for why he was coming. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He came to seek and save that which was lost. The kingdom of God is where he wants us. 
He wants us up there. He doesn't want us to perish and go to hell. Hell is that place that was first created for the devil and his angels because they made a choice not to serve God when they were in heaven. Then he gave us a choice to choose where would we want to be. But we could not come on our own. We needed our sins forgiven. Is everybody with me? Hence the cross. Everybody say the kingdom there. Thank you. Now quickly turn to Luke chapter 17 verse 21. There is the kingdom of God down here. God is not just up in heaven far away from his creation. He is also here with us on earth. He was walking around uh, teaching them, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, or repent for the kingdom of God is what? Near. Anybody read that in the Bible? The kingdom of God is near. Well, he explains what he means by that. They were asking him, Jesus, when are you going to come and judge the world and set up an earthly kingdom? When are you going to be the judge that destroys the enemies of God, make Jerusalem the center of the world, and rule and reign for all of eternity? And Jesus replied to them like this. People will not say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And everybody go, spiritual Now, this is where people get weird, and they go, oh, yeah, the kingdom of God's within me. But hold on. Go to John chapter 3, verse 3. You're right. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not here in everybody. Hello? The kingdom of God is accessible here. It's in your midst here, but not everybody enters into it. Does anybody believe that? Has anybody skipped ahead? You know these were last week's notes, by the way. They've been up online this whole time. I shouldn't have said that, right? You guys mad at me now? Come on, I'm just telling you guys could have studied and skipped ahead. How many are happy I have review for you? Look at your neighbor and say, he hasn't even preached today's message yet. I got a whole nother stuff to talk about. This is not even the message yet. This is the introduction. I'm being serious. John chapter 3, verse 3. Don't you get sassy with me, pastor. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just having fun. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied. Somebody say, that's what he said. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are. So the kingdom of God is here in our midst, but only those who are born again can enter in. If you have been born again here, you get to go to the kingdom of God there when you die. Not a contradiction, just different aspects. Same king, same kingdom. But while we are here on earth, we are in the shadow lands. Anybody know Psalm 23? Though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You are walking through the shadow of death now. People you know and love are dying around you all the time. In this shadow land, there is hope beyond the scope of the grave. You can know that there is a kingdom waiting for you. How do you know? By being born again now and having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to teach the Trinity, but see it simply as this. The Father sends the Son. The Son returns to the Father after His resurrection. And the Father and Son send the Holy Spirit to be present with us here. That is what Jesus is teaching Nicodemus. You must be born again. Now Nicodemus has his Ph.D., in Jewish theology. He's a smart guy, but look at what he says. How can somebody be born again when they're old or born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. And how the women said amen. Because that would be painful. Here I come, mom. Wouldn't that be painful? Push, mom, push. Get me back out. 
You know, other people think this is reincarnation. Oh, yeah, this is so spiritual, Pastor. We come back and we come back and we come back. That's not what he's saying. Listen to what he says. He answers Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. Everybody say flesh gives birth to flesh. Come on, spirit gives birth to spirit. You're not being born again a second time physically upon this earth to enter into the kingdom. You're being born again spiritually. What is it that died when Adam and Eve sinned that day? Their spirit, they were disconnected from God. Do you know at that moment they knew they were naked? Weren't they naked all along? But how did they not know they were naked? Because their spirit shone like light around them and their flesh was transparent and they did not see it. This light bulb shines bright enough you won't see the GE logo on it. The moment the light goes out, you'll be able to see the logo on it. The moment the spirit died and the disconnection from God's kingdom happened, they realized, oh, I'm naked. Hello, somebody. This is the story of creation. You were created in the image of God to have perfect fellowship with him and his kingdom. Man sinned and separated himself from God. You were born under that curse of sin without the kingdom of God within you. God is merciful to children. He says it belongs to them because they don't know right from wrong. Somewhere around the age of accountability, you know when it happens, I know when it happens, we know the difference. God holds us accountable and commands us to repent, to come into his kingdom by being born again. The idea of being baptized in water is a symbol of the womb, the water breaking, you coming forth new. That is the water that is being represented there in that passage. You have to be born again to see the kingdom. There is a kingdom there in heaven, and now there is a kingdom here. But my friends, don't think it's all spiritual. Don't think it's all just pie in the sky. There is a kingdom coming. Turn with me quickly to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. This is the very fact of the reason why Jesus is teaching us to pray this. Thy kingdom kingdom come, not just spiritually, not just in part, but in full, thy will be done as it is in heaven. The fullness of the kingdom is coming to this earth. The first time Jesus came in a manger, the next time he's riding a white horse. Now ask yourself this question, because this is where the Jewish people of Jesus' day got it confused. Why did Jesus come first as a suffering servant, a baby in a manger to be killed and crucified, buried and raised again? Why did he do that first and not come and judge the world, set up a kingdom and make it official at that point? Why is there two comings of Jesus and not one? The Jewish people could only see one coming of Jesus in the Old Testament, the prophecies. They only saw one coming. They did not see the two. Why was there two comings? Think of it this way. He was a king in both situations. When Jesus came into the manger, he was still a king. When Jesus was crucified, he was still a king. And, of course, when he raised from the dead. And, of course, when he comes, he's a king. But think of it this way. He's a king in both situations. But in the first coming of Jesus as a suffering servant, he came to conquer our hearts. He came to set up for us a way to choose the Father free from our own sin free from our own wickedness and the curse that Adam and Eve had handed down to us. Like AIDS, sin is a genetic, genetically handed down disease, right? It comes through the spirit, though. But now he's coming again to conquer the world. He came to conquer our hearts. Has Jesus conquered your heart? Have you freely bowed your knee and called him your Lord and King? He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Have you done that willingly? Because if not, when he comes again, you will do it forcibly. 
and then he will cast you into the lake of fire. Now, at this point, people get mad, and they say, well, why is there a hell, Pastor? If God loved us so much, why is there a hell? If he loved you so much, wouldn't he give you a choice to not be where he is? That's a theme we've mentioned a few times in the service. Are you getting it now? If God loves you, wouldn't he give you a choice not to be where he is? He gave them a choice with Adam and Eve, and now he gives you a choice. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, that's not fair. In hell, it's torture. In hell, it's misery. Why can't I choose to be where he's not and enjoy myself like ACDC, highway to hell, and have a good time there? Because here's the problem. You cannot have a choice and your consequences and make your consequences at the same time. You make your choice. He chooses the consequence. And here's how it goes. I'll give you a place where I'm not, but you don't get any of my benefits. Life is a benefit. Sanity is a benefit. Peace is a benefit. Joy and pleasure. The Bible says in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. People ask me all the time, what will we be doing in heaven? Will we be making cakes, going fishing, riding motorcycles, hanging out with the best friends? It doesn't matter because whatever we did here to find pleasure, pleasure there is the atmosphere. I won't have to have sex to have the pleasure. I will not have to buy a, a million-dollar mansion to have the pleasure. Pleasure is the atmosphere of God's presence. Being in his presence is the fullness of joy. There's nothing else I have to do to accomplish it. So it doesn't matter if I go on a bass fishing trip with Jesus and Peter and say, oh, look what I got. And it doesn't matter if you get to sew your favorite dress or whatever ladies like to do for fun. I'm sorry. Does anybody even sew here? Anyway, do you sew much? I don't know. Anyways. Heaven is the atmosphere, has the atmosphere of pleasure. Hello. But heaven comes to earth. Why is this? Because earth was created to be the location of God's kingdom. Remember, we left the garden because of our sin. So God is not going to make earth. Uh, God is not going to make a different kind of planet we're going to live on. It's the same kind of planet. As you look at the book of Revelation, it's the same kind of animals. Lions lay with lambs. The snakes get along with our children. Believe it or not, the Bible says that. Our children will pray, play with the snakes. No no animal violence, no earthly violence. He wipes away every tear. Streets are made of gold. Jerusalem is our capital city. Jesus is there on a throne. And we're literally ruling and reigning with Christ. There's a river that comes from his throne that uh, put uh, trees on each side of that river. We eat the fruit and, and we enjoy that river. The Bible says that there's no more wars. There's not even a sun. We don't need the sun anymore. God himself is the sun. Hello. That's all the kingdom. And why is the kingdom like that upon earth? Because earth was always God's intention to rule his people. We were the ones that ejected ourselves out. He came to die to bring us back in. Hello. Somebody say introduction. I'm doing my best. I'm about ready to finish up the introduction right here. The kingdom coming. And they sang a new song. Somebody say there's a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Those are all the scary things that happen at Judgment Day. Because you were slain. Who do you think they're talking about here? Jesus. And with your blood, you purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. So all of humanity has been going on for 6,000 years. And God has purchased with Jesus has purchased for God the Father with his blood every people in this group here. And that's why the Bible says God has not judged the earth yet. There is one sign we're waiting to be fulfilled. It's not so much the Antichrist and all of these things. The Bible says the gospel of the kingdom. I just got to show you. Go to Matthew 24. I'll just preach a whole other message if I have to. How many of you are happier in church? Amen. Notes will still be up there. You probably won't read them. But if I don't get to anything, the notes are there. Okay, the notes are there. Look to Matthew chapter 24. You want to see how important the kingdom is to Jesus coming back? 
all these signs are happening. How many see famines on the earth? How many see earthquakes? How many see nation rising against nation? Syria, Iraq, all of those civil wars going on. These are the beginning of the birth pains. How many see betrayal? How many see false prophets? How many see all this wickedness happening? But hello, look at verse 14. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus talking. And this gospel, come on, look up here if you're not there, please. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, then the end will come. So what are we waiting for? The gospel, the good news, evangelion, Greek, that's the original language of the Bible. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, and we're waiting for it to be spread around the earth. And the Bible says that we can even hasten the coming, speed up the coming of the Lord by preaching to all the nations and preaching that they get saved. Amen? How many want to help win somebody to Jesus? Share the gospel with them, and you will hasten the coming of the Lord, as the Bible says in Aramaic, Maranatha. Even come now, Lord Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? Let us summarize the introduction. How many are learning? I'll slow down, okay? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are three aspects, the kingdom there, the kingdom here, and the kingdom coming. How do I get to participate? By being born again. Are you ready for the message now? Amen. amen. Here are the three benefits of the kingdom of God. Turn with me quickly to John chapter 3 again and learn the first benefit, a relationship with God. Let me just have it for a second. The relationship with God is our first benefit. The second benefit is ultimate power. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And thirdly is the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit. These are the three benefits. Thank you, sir. John chapter 3, verse 3. We've already read it, but I want to point out another thing to you. Here's where I want you to understand. There are theological things of the kingdom and there are experiential things. Things that we think about with our mind and things that we experience with our soul and spirit. Let me show you the difference. When you look at math, 2 plus 4, uh, 2 plus 2 equals 4. You just did the theoretical knowledge of math, did you not? You theoretically just added 2 plus 2 and it equaled 4. But here's experiencing that. Uh, you have two Lamborghinis, you buy another two Lamborghinis, now you have four Lamborghinis. How many would like to experience that kind of math? Like two of you. Okay, what kind of cars do you guys like? Okay, there's two bus passes plus two bus passes. <laughs> now how many bus passes do you have? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, don't, hurt, don't hate, don't hate. See, there's theoretical and then there's experiential. When it comes to God, it's theological and experiential. See, up until this point, you could be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, well, that's great. Transdimensional kingdom of God. Okay, I get it. Spiritual kingdom. Okay, I'm in the kingdom. Okay, but here's the point. How do you experience that? How does this knowledge become the function of your life? How do you go to your job tomorrow in the kingdom of God and it make a difference? How do we as parents raise our children in the kingdom of God? If this was Jesus' most important subject and the most important thing we need to share with the world, and this is what we're waiting for for the end times, hello, we need to understand how to experience it, not just talk about it. And I want you to look back at this. When you look at the entrance into the kingdom, becoming a kingdom citizen, Jesus says that you have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. And so here would be my question to everybody here. Can I or others in your life see that you have a relationship with God? Can you see within your own life you have a relationship with God? Because this, my friend, is the greatest evidence of God. 
It's not that I just proved to you philosophically something can never come from nothing. Somebody may say, well, maybe science will somehow figure that out. No, the thing that is undeniable, not only to skeptics, but to our own doubting hearts, according to 1 John, is that God has loved us. And now there's no more condemnation in us. And our heart cries out back to him, Romans chapter 8, as sons and daughters. We cry out, Alba, Father. How many of you have seen the kingdom of God in your life? How many of you have had people say, I see God in your life? See, that is what is important here. It is not just having a theoretical or theological knowledge of the kingdom. It is experiencing the kingdom. I'll tell you my testimony briefly. I was raised in church, but at the young age of 11, I began to turn my back on God, began to break into houses and do a lot of crazy things. And by the time I was 16, I was a high school dropout doing drugs, and, you know, that was my life. And by the time I was 18, I was arrested eight times, had guns pulled on me, and I almost died by overdosing on crystal meth, and my life was messed up. My mother said that she knew Jesus would fix me, would heal me, would change me, but I didn't believe her. I cussed her out, actually. And you guys have heard some of that story. And my mom was so offended at that phone call and so hurt because I blasphemed the name of the Lord on that phone call. When I was talking to her and she was telling me Jesus would help me, I was just, just blatantly vulgar with her. But a few hours later, that same day, November 5th, 1995, I felt the Lord tugging at my heart. And he said to me, what do you have to lose? Now, at that time, it just sounded as a thought in my own mind. God speaks to our spirits, and our spirits speak to us through thoughts. God will not sound different than your thoughts unless you hear an audible voice. Are you listening to me? You are a spirit. Your spirit speaks to your mind through thoughts, okay? I heard what I thought was my own thought. Just give it a try, but I know it was God speaking to my heart. How many understand? I go to my mother's house. Long story short, I accept Jesus into my heart. I then go home to the woman's house I'm living with, now we're not married, and I begin to have experiences with God of weeping. I never really cried before up until this point, certainly not for things I had done. But now I'm weeping in the presence of God. You know why? Because I was seeing the kingdom of God come. I was seeing my life start to change. I was starting to be bombarded with thoughts that were not of my own, but they were thoughts of forgiveness. They were thoughts of acceptance. And I remember reading the book of Psalms, and I can't even remember which one I opened up, but it was so powerful that I thought literally I had wrote it. I literally thought I had wrote that. But I know, of course, it was impossible, but it was so the words of my heart. I then go back to my parents' house, can't even sleep in that house in peace, and I say, well, you let me back home. And I became the prodigal son. My parents let me back home. This November 5th will make 20 years. You see, the kingdom of God came. Oh, we want to give God a hand clap. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to clap God, praise God with you, clap for the Lord, amen. But I'm not doing it for a hand clap, you know that. What I'm trying to share with you is just my testimony, that that is why I'm in the kingdom. I'm not here because I got paid to be here. Long before I ever made this as a profession, I was accepted as a sinner. That's why I'm here. And it wasn't even arguments. I remember one of the parts of the conversation, I was trying to argue with my mom, and she says, ah, you know, stop, stop. I don't know about all that. She says, but I, I do know about this. Jesus will save you. Jesus will save you. 
She said, you know, I was trying to talk to her about other religions. She said, I don't know anything about that, but I know Jesus will save me. And here, if you're that experimental part of your life and all these different religions, let me just, let's just do this. The one who's still alive, follow him, okay? Muhammad, he's still dead. Buddha, he's still dead. All these Hindu gurus, they're still dead. Jesus, rise from the grave, is in heaven in the kingdom. Follow him, amen? Follow the one who's still alive, who defeated death, hell, and the grave. Start with him. Praise God. But what is your testimony? Because that ought to be the first benefit of all of us in the kingdom of God is that we now can say, I have a relationship with God. I can see it. If I would call up right now on Skype my friend Derek from my old days, okay, there you are, Derek. Hi, Derek. Say hi to everybody in the church. Okay. Hey, Derek, let me ask you a question. All the drugs that we did, all the partying that we did, all the sex that you saw me do with girls and the violence and anger and all that you saw in my heart, Derek, did you ever think I would change? So, Derek, now that I'm here 20 years later pastoring this great church, married for 10 years, four kids, getting my doctorate, what would you say happened in my life, Derek? Whether Derek believed in God or not, he would have to admit, I see the kingdom of God. I see it in his life. God changed him. You see, that's the evidence of a relationship with God as a changed life. If you ran into a hurricane, would you be the same afterwards? Hello? What's the evidence that this fan has electricity? What's the evidence? The fan works. Some people say, I know God, but they have no life in them. This is their life. They don't move. They don't have any purpose being fulfilled. But they say, oh, I'm a fan. I know God. But my friends, that's not the evidence of you knowing God, just saying you know God. This is not religion. It's a relationship. What is the evidence that this fan is plugged in? You see it move. You see change begin to happen. You see its purpose begin to be fulfilled. God is the electricity for our soul. The Holy Spirit is what we plug into when we get born again. He puts our life moving. He makes us a blessing to others. He uses us for his purpose and his glory. That, my friend, is the evidence of a plugged-in fan. And a changed life is the evidence of a born-again Christian, a born-again person from sinner to saint. That's the benefit. Can I hear an amen? amen? Come on. In closing, Rachel, would you come? Ultimate power. Would you go there to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20? If matter, space, and time was created by God, then who's in control of matter, space, and time? God. So he says, what's impossible with man is possible with me. He says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Isn't that a benefit? How many think that's a benefit? You know the God who created everything around you. The Bible says in James, we have not because we ask not. How is your prayer life? If I were to follow you around today, would I see the evidence of someone who's trusting in God, trusting and relying upon his power? If I said to you, hey, we have two choices to get from here to California. One, we can ride tricycles there, or two, we can hop in a 747. Now, unless you like tricycles, what would be the most effective? The 747. Then why do we, and I fall so guilty of this. I mean, why do we? It's the big we here. I'm not a big I, and there's a little you. Big I, little you. No, it's a, all of us, a we here. Why is it we try to fix our life so often? He made it. He understands us better than we understand ourselves. He knew us before we were ever a twinkle in our parents' eyes. He understands your emotions. And women, that's a big deal. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm getting myself in trouble today. I got to have some fun, though. Can I have fun at second service? You guys like it like that, right? Okay. Man, I cannot figure out my wife. I, she has to tell me. Come on, you know I love you, boobs, boobs, but you got to tell me. I need you to love me right now. Okay, how do you want me to love you? I need you to tell me how pretty I am. Okay, let me start. You're so pretty. And she's like patient with me that way because it's like I won't figure it out. I, I just won't, you know. And then she says, can't you tell that I just need a nap? No, I didn't. I didn't, couldn't tell, but I can now. So, yes, go ahead. Please take a nap, you know. Teach me how to love you. Well, guess what? God is doing that with you. God is teaching you how to love him. He knows you better than you know yourself, and he's wanting you to find fulfillment in him because you're not in a default position. There's only one or of two positions. You know, sometimes it's like um, you can find a default setting on something, and, and, and that's not the kingdom of God. It's either heaven or hell, kingdom of God, kingdom of darkness. You can't remain in a default position. So if you're not pursuing God, the thing that you're pursuing is going to destroy you. Now you may say, that's awfully hard, and I wish I had time to explain this to you, but it will. You see, I've had parents come to me after their children have grown up and moved out because to them, their children were their life. And of course, that's a great life to have, but if you don't have God in that, it's still empty. Parenting without God is emptiness. So they've come to me and said, what do I do now? Literally, what do I do now? My kids are raised. They've moved out. See, God was with you before you were a parent, and God will be with you before you stop parenting every day, you know, that, that transition. And God will be with you when you die, and there's no one to parent in heaven. So seek first his kingdom now and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. When you look at this passage here in Romans, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So if you came today and you just think, well, pastor, you just talked a whole lot. No, I, ho I hope you just don't see that. I, I hope you see that there's power in our lives as Christians. Talk to my wife and see if you hear about the power of love, the power of commitment, the power of being a good parent. How many parents here wish they could plug into God's power to receive all they need to take care of their children? Because how many parents here can totally understand their children? Come on, most of us can't. I mean, my daughter's six years old, and I don't even understand her right now. She dances and prances around the house at any given time. She cries over about anything. Maybe that's because she's a woman. I don't know. Lord, forgive me for that. But I don't understand my daughter. But i got to be your father. I don't even understand my son. My son wants to play G.I. Joe's. I play G.I. Joe's. I do it the wrong way. He cries. Hello. Pray for me. I need the power. But here's the thing. God understands my children, and he'll give me the power to know their heart beyond my understanding. You see, sometimes parents, they think, well, I'm going to push my kids. I'm going to push my kids. And we've seen while they're trying to do it, they drive them away from what's good. So that didn't work. Well, then some parents go, well, I'm just going to be my kid's best friend, and I'm not going to push them. And then they walk away from God as well. That didn't work. Why? Because it's both and. It's not either or. It's both. Sometimes you've got to be their friend. Sometimes you've got to discipline them. Sometimes you're easy. Sometimes you're not. How do you know when to be what? Sometimes my daughter does or my kids do something wrong and they're crying and I feel compassion and God says don't spank them. Take the moment to teach them mercy and grace and help them understand through it. Other times God says spank them. You understand. How do you know the difference? How about on your job? How do you know how to reach that person next to you? How do you know to be the neighbor God wants you to be? See, there's power in the kingdom of God. And then lastly, go with me, please, 
to Romans chapter 14, verse 17 in closing. There is righteousness, peace, and joy in the kingdom. And I hope that all of us can walk out if you're saying, I know more about that today. I'm experiencing more of that today. Because when I set down this microphone and I walk out of here, I got to be right with God and right with man. And people do me wrong a lot, just like they do you wrong a lot. But I'm going to make sure the peace I have in me, I guard. And the joy that I have, I don't want to lose and let it leak out because of this world that doesn't understand our king yet. Hello? Muslims don't understand our king. That's why they're doing what they're doing. So how do we do the right thing with them? And our wars and all of this, you know, this is getting into our everyday life. How do we do the right thing with corruption? You know, in politics, all the, the new, uh, you know, leaders are coming up right now to go for our president. You know, which one is right? Which one is this? Which one is that? How do I know to vote? You know, I need to be spirit-led. I need to have the kingdom of God come upon this earth in me first before I tell it to somebody else. Hello? How many are tired of hypocrisy in church and religion and politics, all of that? How many are tired of bosses not treating employees right? How many are tired of corruption? Look at this scripture right here. Look at it. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but how many like to do that? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Y'all so quiet right now. Can I just get a little amen for eating and drinking? Okay, thank you. But of righteousness, peace, and joy in what? The Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Loving God, loving people. Getting along with God, getting along with people. Even though there are enemies. Even though there are people who don't like us. Even though there's people who don't treat you right. God says he wants you to do what's right. That's how we show them the kingdom. That's how we show them. The Bible says in Psalms 23, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So we have to be in the kingdom to understand what is right. The world won't give us the right definition. How many know that? The world's gone crazy. But we need to hear what's right. How about this? Peace. How many would like to have peace in their life? That's a benefit of the kingdom. Where can I buy peace today? Has Walmart got it on sale? Two for $1.99? What color does peace come in? Can I wear it? Where can I find joy today? You see, it's only in God, is it not? And now this is where it gets real. Because when I, when, I, when I talk like this, I get people's attention. And I hope I have yours today. Because if you think money is going to give you peace, you haven't had enough of it yet. Because there's been people who have come a long time before you who had a whole lot of it and they still want that peace. Does it help? Of course it does. It pays bills. It makes life a little bit easier. But if you think it's going to bring peace to your soul, once again, you have not had enough of it yet. Just look at your famous celebrity, famous businessmen, whatever, and you'll see that money does not bring peace to their home, peace to their life. What is peace? It's freedom from inner turmoil. Freedom from inner turmoil. Robin Williams, hilarious, great movies, did not have peace. He wasn't free from inner turmoil turmoil. Hello. What is joy? Is joy just a state of well-being because of right things in life? Payday, happy, here's joy. No, joy is not the same as happiness based upon situational events. Joy is the emotional state of stability in God's presence. 
The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what the prophet said. And then Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I rejoiced at my sister's funeral. I rejoiced when I had to leave that building on Irving Park and come here because we couldn't pay the bills. I've rejoiced by God's grace through each hardship of life, not because of the situation, but because my stability is determined by God, not what others do or what happens to me. Joy is in His presence, and if I'm in His presence, I have joy. And so when I showed up to my sister's funeral and I said, this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice in it and be glad. I'm not saying my sister, I'm glad my sister's dead. I'm not saying I, I rejoice in sadistic things. No, but what I'm saying is the only way I'm making it through this sorrow, the only way I'm making it through this pain is if I stand on the joy and the promise of God because he promised never to leave me nor forsake me and he promised that he's more than enough. And he said, he will wipe tears from my eyes. He will heal my broken heart. He will take off the sackcloth of mourning and turn my wailing into dancing. So joy is not based on situational happiness. Joy, 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 joy. No, it's based on who God is. And so I determine in my heart that even when I'm in my deepest pain, I will see the joy of the Lord. Jesus said, or was said about Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What cross are you bearing today? What problems are you facing today? There is joy at the end of this journey, my brother and sister. See that and let that motivate you. Sadness only leads to sadness, despair, depression. But joy will bring you through. And that's in the kingdom. You can't buy it anywhere else. You can't find it. And so when we look back today at what we've learned, we've learned that there is a kingdom there where God is and where we go when we die. And there's a kingdom here where God is among his people and where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's present. And when we pray, he's with us and he comforts us. But then there's a kingdom coming, the kingdom we've been participating up there, we're anticipating to come here and it will be upon the earth. Are you waiting for that kingdom? And then we've learned that while we're here on this earth, we have a relationship with God, a real relationship. We have ultimate power to help us in our times of weakness. Well, I can't do that. I don't, I don't, I don't have enough strength to do that. I don't understand how to do it. The Bible says he will, he will be greater in us than he that's in the world. We will do all things through him who gives us strength. And then lastly, what other three things could you possibly want? Some might say love, but this is the description of how love looks. What does love look like? Does love look like an abusive husband? No, because that's not right. So what does love look like? Love looks like righteousness. Love feels like peace. And love is built upon joy. So what do I want us to take away as we move out from this message to different messages, this ser uh, sermon series? is that the kingdom of God is all about Jesus the King. And he came to give his life so that we, as the lost sheep, lost people, who once rejected his kingship, can now be brought again into his kingdom as his pride possession, as his citizens. I hope today that you've learned something about that. And I hope you can experience that because that's what I want to do. I don't want to just eat and drink. 
I want to have the things of righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen. Would you stand up with me? Would you give Jesus a hand? Come on, band, would you come with the altar workers? Let's close out in prayer. Thank you for your patience today. Might we just start with asking the question of our own lives, maybe in an attitude of prayer. I'm just going to close my eyes, and however you feel comfortable is up to you to pray. But might we just pray right now and meditate for a few moments, examining ourselves, talking to ourselves, looking at our soul, and determining are we in the kingdom? Are we in the kingdom of God? Is God in us? And is he the Lord of our lives? Would you search your heart today to see if you have been born again? Being born again is not just church membership or religious thing like being baptized. You can baptize a pig and it's still a pig. You can baptize a sinner and they're still a sinner. Baptism is what born again people do to show what they have had happen in their hearts. It's an outward expression of an inward transformation. Have you been born again? I'm going to stop talking because remember, I can't manipulate you. If the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit can't force you in, how much of more vain is my attempt? What I want to do is give you that chance as a free will creature to search your heart and be honest. Rachel, would you sing softly as they meditate and pray? Lord God of this city. And King of these people, you're the Lord of this nation. If you have an assurance of your salvation, would you thank God for ten things He's done for you in the kingdom? You're the light in this dark. If you already know you're in the kingdom, come on, thank Him, praise Him, worship Him. We're going to be patient for those who are searching their hearts to be honest. And as you search your heart, some of you here, if you're honest, you say, No, I'm not in the kingdom. Go the next step. Do you want to be? Be honest with yourself. The Bible says, count the cost. Do you want to be in the kingdom? You're the Lord of this nation. You are. Do you want to be? You're the light in this darkness. Come on, those of you who are thanking God for things in the kingdom, what could you thank him for? I'm thankful for my life. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for my house, my clothes, the food I eat, the cars I drive, the freedom I have in this land. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the word of God. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for a sound mind. I'm thankful for hope. I'm thankful for promises of my future in Him. We could go on and on, couldn't we? Now, just for a moment here, those of you who searched your heart and you found that you're really empty, you're without God, you haven't been born again, and you're honest, and you've decided, I want to be in the kingdom, would you right now ask Jesus into your life, surrender, and pray that prayer, the Lord's prayer again, but this time on your own, meaning it, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth in me right now as it is in heaven. Pray something like that and confess the times where you have willfully sinned and gone against the kingdom if you confess that Jesus is the king he is Lord you will be saved as you repent of your sins that's what it means to be born again believing repenting confessing a few more moments just for those who need to open their hearts to God 
We'll sing together before we close, so please don't be in a hurry. We'll sing a song together, just like what they were doing before. But I want to make sure that everybody's had a chance to come into the kingdom. Would you sing Break Every Chain for me, please? As she gets that second song ready, then I'm going to have her sing. Would you look up at me, please, those of you who can? If you're praying, it's okay, but those who can. How many of us, because most of us here probably know about the kingdom, we've been in the kingdom for a while, but how many of us just want to experience more of the king? Right? You just, you just want more of him. Can I tell you that that is the desire of his heart in you? Think about that. I was studying this. This will blow your mind. Do you know why part of the reason why children smile so much is because it works towards the reward system. When they smile, they see how happy we get. They go, oh, the more I smile, the more treats I get. I'm going to keep smiling. Hello. It sounds silly, but now watch this. While they're smiling, their brain is developing. A baby that does not smile, the brain will not develop the same. Adults who stop smiling will not have as healthy of a mental life. Serotonin and things in the brain release when you smile. This is cutting-edge neuroscience. Smile more for brain health. So true, so true. Look it up. They are just discovering this. Now watch this. You smile at the baby. The baby smiles back, says, well, I get something good out of this. They don't even know their brain's developing. While you're smiling, your brain is staying healthy. That is the relationship of love between parents and children. That's what God's wanting to do with us. He's saying, I love you. And you go, I love you back, God. He goes, I love I love you back. And your heart starts to change, and you don't even realizing things you used to love, you're not loving anymore. Why? Because now you're so full of love, you've made a trade, and God says, look what I did. Look, look, look where you've come from. Look how much you've changed. And here's how it's happened. Love, love. I changed you while you loved me. I renewed you. I changed your thinking patterns. I brought you new friends. I favored you while you were loving me, while you were pursuing me, while you were seeking me. Isn't that amazing? Because the Bible says that love for God is the greatest commandment, and the second is love for the neighbor. So that's kingdom living. So today, if you want to experience more of God, I'm going to invite you to worship with me. And if you need prayer for anything, come on down. We'll pray a dismissal right after this, so don't be in a hurry. But if you want someone to help you in that, they will pray these altar workers here. But all of us, let's just fall more in love with God. Let's pursue after Him. Let's let the chains of the sin of our life fall off of us. Let's rebuke the devil's lies. Let's get him out the way and go for Jesus. Amen. You ready? Would you put up this song for us, brother? Break every chain. Come on. Would you sing it out today? Come on. There is power. There is power. Yes, there is. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Would you sing it out today? There is power. There is power. There is power as we love him today. As we go after God, if you need prayer, would you come forward? Don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Find someone to pray with you as we're singing this out. There is power. Come on. In the name of Jesus. There is power. There is power. In the name of Jesus. To break. To break every chain. To break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain.
Come on, as they put the words up here, sing this part. All sufficient sacrifice. Jose, would you help him, please? Because I want people to learn this song today. Such a price. Come on. Our redemption. Heaven's gates swing wide. Come on, we're going to sing that part again. I want you to sing it. If you don't know, you're going to learn the words right now. Our redemption. Sacrifice. So freely so given. Can you put up the vocals, please? I want them to be heard a little bit louder. Thank you. Our redemption. Now think about this. The kingdom swings wide. Swing wide. Swing wide. before we dismiss one more time there is power if you need prayer come up and if they're still praying with somebody you can just wait don't be in a hurry this is the kingdom business kingdom business comes first Right now, right now, it's coming. 
Oh, and there is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that, saints? There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. Break every chain. To break every chain. Break every chain. And I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. Is anybody seeing the kingdom of God in their life? I hear the chains falling. November 5th, 1995 was my day. I hear the chains Many of you might have been saved when you came in, but did you need deliverance? Is this your day? I hear their chains falling. Come on a few more times. I hear the chains of depression falling. I hear the chains of addiction falling. I hear the chains. I hear the chains of despair falling. I hear the chains falling. One more time. I hear. I hear the chains. Lord, as we leave out this place, may we leave in your kingdom and with the power that you've given us. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and start in us.